Hey, this morning, um, we're going to talk about love. Now, love seems to be probably the most ambiguous word in the world today. Everybody loves something. I mean, we love the mountains. We love coffee. We love the color blue. We love chocolate. We love a good book. We love running. We love music. And we don't just love music. We love love music. There's a lot of things that we love today. We talk about music, and Diane Warwick said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Maybe you remember that song. Foreigner said that they want to know what love is. And then air supplies claimed that they were all out of love. Diana Ross and Lionel Richie said they had endless love, but Whitney Houston claimed she had the greatest love of all. Rod Stewart said, have I told you lately that I loved you? And Stevie Wonder answered that question by saying that I just called to say that I love you. But see, I, I think that Johnny Lee is the one who got it right when he sang, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. See, in our world today, love has certainly become more about feelings than it has commitment. But true love is very different than that. Even though as Christians we are well aware of the need to love, sometimes it can be difficult for us to grasp what loving one another looks like in God's eyes. So to better understand this much wider and biblical teaching on love, we're going to spend this next series basing our studies on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, specifically verses 4 through 8. And this passage is one of the most beloved and at the same time the most convicting passages in the Bible. It is a passage about beautiful love. It's a passage about crazy love. It's beautiful because it is, it's such a stark contrast against the world's backdrop of selfishness and anger. But it's a crazy love because it contradicts our human nature in so many ways. In fact, if we were to measure our love by this passage, we would see ourselves falling far short. And that's because the love that's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is based on a love that comes from God, and it's, it's perfect in every way. Now, one reason that our love falls short is because we seldom make love the priority in our lives. See, we have a lot of things that we prioritize, the things that we want most, things like um, we want to be understood. Is there anybody like that in here? You don't have to raise your hand. That's okay. That's all right. Okay. I, I just want to make sure that you understand me. Um, there's a lot of things we want. We, we, want to, uh, we want to be known for the truth. That guy knows the truth. That lady, she lives by the truth. We want to be known by a lot of things. But we fall short in remembering often that what we're called to be known by, according to Scripture, is our love. And in fact, Scripture also tells us that above all things, we are to put on love. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. 
but the, this idea that the principal characteristic of a Christ follower is love. The words in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, are like a mirror. And if you're brave enough to look honestly into that mirror, you're going to find that Paul lists 15 characteristics about the love of God that God wants to see in us. And so let's read this passage together this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8. It says, love is patient. Uh, let's just quit right there, because that's just too much. <laughs> this is a beautiful passage. This is, this is one of those verses that we, we put on our walls in our homes, isn't it? But when you look at it as a mirror, it's super convicting. Now, seriously, love is patient? Come on. That is not natural. It says love is patient. It says love is kind. Even when you wake up in a bad mood, even when you wake up because your alarm forgot to go off and you're behind, love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Now, I'm halfway through this passage, and I'm super convicted. And there's so many passages in Scripture that we recognize their beauty and we fall short when it comes to looking at them as a mirror. Guys, this is what God is looking for in you and I. This is what he's looking for in his church. Paul goes on to say, love does not delight in evil, but he re it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. So these are the primary characteristics of this love of God, this love that God is looking for in you and I. And the great thing is that this love is made possible in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a good thing. Um, in fact, listen, can I get an amen on this? Listen, you don't have to come up with this kind of love on your own. Man. It's not natural. We're not born with this kind of a love. This is the kind of love that comes through a relationship with Christ. But before we get into all these specifics, there's 15 of these here, let's first look at the, the word that Paul uses for love itself. Because it's a very special kind of love that Paul is talking about, and it's unlike anything else in this world. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul uses the word agape. Many of you have heard that word before, but this word agape describes a love that is so completely different from what the world offers that it's only used in the New Testament to describe God's love and the love that he is looking for that should flow from the heart of all believers. Again, this is, a, this is a crazy love in the world's view, and that's because it's a love that has no strings attached. 
Listen, we like to attach strings to the things that we do. You and I, we like to attach conditions to what we give and to what we do. But agape love has no conditions. Agape love is an unconditional love. That's difficult for us to grasp a lot of times. No conditions. It is a love that focuses on what it gives rather than what it gets. Agape love gives, and it gives, and it gives. Even when it's never responded to, it gives. Or if it's never thanked, it gives. Or if it's never acknowledged, it gives. You could say that agape love is a love that isn't based on a response, but on a decision. A decision to keep on loving regardless of a response. Because agape love is a choice. So scripture tells us, 1 John chapter 14, or chapter 4, verse 19, <clears throat> very short verse, very to the point, but I think we sometimes look over it a lot, says that God first loved you. Now that is very significant when you're talking about agape love. So my, my son, Braden, who uh, turns 11 this week, he looks like a 16-year-old, but he, he turns 11 this week. So he's still young enough. He and I still play this, like, love, um, you know, love match game kind of a deal where I'll say, Braden, I love you, and he'll say, I love you more. And I'll say, well, I love you the most. And he'll say, well, I love you to infinity. But then I'll pull out the most powerful kind of agape love, and I'll say, but Braden, I love you first. Before you were born, before you could ever give anything back, before you even knew what love really was, before you loved me, Dad loved you. Now, this is the agape love that God demonstrates to you and I before we could even love Him. He loved us. It's an unconditional love. It's not based on what you get, it's based on a decision, it's not based on a response, it's based on a choice. The most powerful love that you will ever experience is not the love that you feel, it's not the love that you fall into, but it's the love that you choose. Agape love. And that's why it's so powerful and why it's so profound for us to read that God first loved us. It's a great model for us. Because agape is such an unconditional love, it's the highest most noble, the purest form of love that exists in this world. In fact, I call it true love. Not true love, but true love. I, I better move on. So let's come back to Colossians 3.14. Again, another short passage. Colossians 3.14 says, Above all these 
things put on love. Now, Paul had just listed a number of characteristics that ought to be found in Christ's followers. These noble things that every one of us should be, um, we should see the fruit of these things in our life. But then he gets to the end of this list and he says, but above all of these things, greater than all of these things, above them all, put on love. Now, his choice of words here is really significant, and I, I hope this really resonates with us this morning, because love is a lot like your clothing. You don't just have clothing, you wear clothing. If you leave it in your drawer, if you leave it in your closet, your clothing does no good for you. If you leave love in the pages of your Bible, if you leave love in your notebook of all the things that you've journaled or that you've listened to preachers or whatever it may be, and you don't put on love, you're missing it. Paul says this love has already been made available to you. God has already placed this in your life, but now, these are Paul's words, put it on. You've got to wear this. And how many of us have been guilty of walking out of the door without putting on love? There's always reasons. They're never good reasons. But there's always reasons. We walk out the door and we forget to put on patience. We have it. We know what it is. We know what it is. Oh, don't, tell, don't lecture me. I know what patient love is but I fail to put it on. Paul's saying, you've got this. God's placed it in your heart. He's placed it in your life, but he's calling us to put it on. So what are the marks of this kind of love that we talk about then, this, this agape love? As Paul begins his description of the conduct of true love, he first writes, love is patient. And some of your texts may say love is very patient. And that's good for us. That's good for all of us because a lot of times we have a little bit of patience. Have you ever said that? I've only got a little patience today. What do you mean by that? It means you don't have enough. My patience is wearing very thin. You don't have enough. Paul said love is very patient. Now, just a couple of days ago, Friday night, in fact, I'd promised my kids an ice cream night. And so we went to the store and we let them pick out, their, um, pick out their favorite ice cream. We went home and it was still really hard, really solid. You know what it's like when you open up your ice cream and it's, it's too difficult to scoop. And so we, we set it on the counter <coughs> and my youngest daughter, Brooklyn, walks up to the counter. And I'm not kidding, she licks the container uh, because she, she can't wait. And I, I just said, Brooklyn, you've got to wait just a little bit. Just wait. And she said, Dad, it's so hard to have patience when it comes to ice cream. And Paul's not talking about ice cream in this passage here. In fact, the word patient that he uses in verse 4 is taken from a Greek word, macrothumia, which pictures the patient restraint of anger. 
See, patience, as Paul is talking about here, is not just waiting for the ice cream to thaw. It's not just waiting for a traffic light to turn green. If you score yourself really high in those areas, well done. I mean, go ahead and pat yourself on the back. That's not what Paul is talking about, though. Paul is talking about the patient restraint of anger. See, patient love is slow to anger. It could also be appropriately translated as the words forbearance or long-suffering. This patience is like a candle that has a very long wick. And because the wick is long, it's prepared to burn for a long time. Now, it's just a fact that in human nature, we are we're short-tempered and impatient. In fact, humanity comes with a short fuse. But patient love has a long wick rather than a short fuse. It's ready to forbear and patiently wait. See, true love is in it for the long haul. So (laughs) when Paul says that love is patient, his words could be said, true love patiently and passionately bears with others for as long as needed. It's slow to anger. It's slow to wrath. It doesn't know how to quit. Patient love is supernaturally become stronger and more committed the longer it takes. That's not natural, is it? As things start to take more time, our patience starts to grow thin. That's not patient love. Patient love says, I'm in it for the long haul. The longer it takes, the more committed I'm becoming. That's why it's a crazy love. But it's a love that absolutely transforms and changes people's lives. So according to our scripture, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 5, God has already placed this love through his Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is a good thing. Again, we do not have to conjure up this patient love on our own. It's something that we go to the Lord for. And we can be very honest. Have you ever, have you ever tried to make yourself look good to the Lord like he doesn't know? I mean, have you ever found yourself saying things like, Lord, I'm kind of struggling with patience today, and God's like, struggling with it? You gave up a long time ago. <laughs> and you can be honest with the Lord, and you can just say, God, I'm really sucking at this today. I have zero patience. And yet, I know that you've called me to patient love. Holy Spirit, would you help me? That's what Scripture just edifies us and encourages us and says that when we ask, the Holy Spirit releases this divine love, this agape love, this patient love to help us in long-suffering in our patience here. Now next, Paul tells us that love is kind. See, and kindness could be another one of those really ambiguous words because there's a lot of things that people do that are kind. Oh, thank you for that compliment. You're so kind. 
Um, thank you for uh, letting me in front of you in line. You're so kind. Thank you for the glass of water. You're so kind. There's a lot of things that we say are, are kind. It's another one of those ambiguous words. But the Greek word that's translated kind here means to be adaptable and compliant to others. It means being flexible. It's not being rigid. When true love is working in your life, you don't demand that other people be like you. Kind love meets people where they are. Kind love meets people where they are. It, it's a willingness to serve and to change instead of to be rigid. Now, I've, in, I've encountered a number of great men and women of God who really struggle with this. So <laughs> if you struggle with it, you're in good company, okay? But, but I've, I've met a lot of people, great men and women of God, who struggle with this because their attitude has become, people need to meet me where I am rather than I'm willing to meet them where they are. But kind love even goes beyond what's considered fair. What we would consider fair is 50-50. Let's meet halfway. Is that fair? I mean, are you guys with me on that? That sounds noble, and it sounds fair. In fact, I've heard a lot of people say that marriage is a 50-50 compromise, that you and your, ha your, your spouse meet halfway. And that, again, may sound very noble, but if all you do is insist that your spouse meets you in the middle, you will never have the agape love that is necessary in a marriage. I love what Nancy Reagan said in one of her memoirs about President Reagan. She said they had a 100% commitment to their marriage. And what that meant was that they were willing to go 100% of the way to meet the other person where they were rather than to meet halfway in the middle. Because you realize that even when you, when you say, let's meet halfway, that there still is some pride involved in there where it's saying, I am not going beyond what is fair. Kind love is not fair love. It's an unfair love. Now that's tough to wrestle with, isn't it? Kind love is an unfair love. It says, I'll go beyond. I'll, be, I'll go beyond. I'll go 100% to meet you where you're at. Over the last 20 years, I've pastored two very different kinds of people. Those who ask, what can you do for me? And those who ask, what can I do for you? Kind love says, what can I for you. It doesn't think about itself first. It's always reaching out, always thinking about the needs of others. It's the opposite of self-centeredness. In fact, kind love is selfless rather than selfish. It's selfless rather than selfish. And the person who's walking in this love meets people where they are in order to touch them, in order to reach them, in order to impact them in a meaningful way. And so when you take all of these 
Greek words and phrases, just from this first little stanza here of, the, of this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. When you translate them, you put them together. <laughs> Verse 4 says, patient love passionately bears with others for as long as needed. Kind love is focused on meeting others where they are and how they can help. And this is what the Bible means when it says that love is patient and love is kind. And so this mirror now that we look at, this mirror of love, asks if you demonstrate these characteristics in your own life. So the beautiful passage becomes a very convicting passage. Because God is saying, this is what I'm looking for. Now, here's the, here's the reality of it, because I'm so guilty of this. You guys don't mind if I kind of air my dirty laundry out a little bit. I think sometimes it helps because you realize that you're in good company. I always say things like, yeah, but you don't understand the situation. Yeah, but you don't know that person. I know, love is patient, but that person is impossible. Now, am I alone up here? Guys, we make excuses all the time. We make excuses all the time on why we don't have to follow through with this. And so I want, I want you to hear my words and then let me explain before you judge me on this. You've got to get your butt in the right place. Because here's what typically happens. We say, love is patient, but that person is impossible. And if you'll get your butt in the right place, you'll start saying things like this. That person is impossible, but love is patient. And we'll quit making excuses. And we'll say, if this is the higher calling of the Lord, if this is what he's calling me to, if this is what true love looks like, then Paul's not asking me for excuses. He is saying, no matter what, put this love on. Patient love. Kind love. I get it. It's contrary to how you might feel naturally. It's contrary to how you might respond to somebody naturally, but it is 100% what God is calling us to. Love is patient. Love is kind. I don't think I want to go any further today. Um, that's enough because I feel like we just started and we've already stubbed our toe twice. So this morning... The encouragement is, once again, this is something that's found in Christ. It's something that God has already poured out in you, according to Romans chapter 5. It's already there. What we're called to do now is put it on. And that's my encouragement to you this morning. On the days when you wake up and you don't feel like it, you put on patient love and you put on kind love. 
on the days when you come face to face with that impossible person. You put on patient love, you put on kind love. On the days when you would really like other people to meet you on your terms, rather than going beyond fair to meet them where they are, you put on patient love, you put on kind love. Now guys, that's his calling from the Lord. That's this passage. Now, I'm, I'm hoping that you don't go home and like rip this thing off, the scripture off of your walls. Like, I hate Romans or you know, 1 Corinthians 13 now. This is too much. Because it is a beautiful passage of the love that, listen to me, God first poured out on you. On those days when I really need to be patient, you know, one of the greatest things that helps me is that I remember how many times people have had to be patient with me. Grace is one of those things that we want, but we don't like to give. Patience is the same thing. We find ourselves saying, hey, have patience with me. Come on, have patience. And God is saying, this is a mirror. I'm calling you to have patient love and to have kind love. And this morning, before we close, if you are sitting here today and you're, you're just saying, I have never truly responded to God's love for me, his unconditional love for me, then before we leave today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And this is what's great about it. It takes just a moment, but it affects your eternity. It affects your whole life. And so if you're here today and you've never said yes Christ. You've recognized the love that God has extended to you, but you've never offered that love back to him. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. With all the heads bowed and eyes closed in the room, if that's you today, I just invite you to pray this prayer along with me. You can say, God, I thank you that you loved me before I ever loved you. Thank you that while I was still a sinner, you sent your son to die for me to save me, because you loved me. And today, Lord, I accept that, um, that beautiful love. I accept that crazy love that, that really is an unfair love, that you gave everything. You met me where I was. You gave it all for me. But Lord, today I choose to give my love back to you now. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you'd become my Lord and my Savior. And I ask God that you'd give me the strength to follow you now from this day forward. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, um, church, this church, Scripture calls it a family. It's, it's a body. It's believers. It's people who are going after God together. And one of the great things, one of the beautiful things about family is that we get to encourage one another. We get to celebrate with one another. And so if you today, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time, maybe life has happened and you've gotten away from that love, you've gotten away from really serving the Lord, and maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time in a long time and you're coming back to the Lord, here's, here's where I'm going with it. We want to be able to congratulate you. We want to be able to support you, to surround you as a church family and say, we're praying for you. We love you. 
we want to support you in this. And so when our service is, is closing today, we're going to have our elders up front on both sides here of the platform. And if you prayed that prayer, I just want to encourage you to come up and let one of them know. They would love to celebrate with you and to pray with you today. And in fact, if there's anything that we could pray with you regarding anything that you're facing in life, let me say this one more time, anything. Because we believe that God is bigger than everything. The God that we serve is bigger than your situation. I want to be able to pray with you today before you leave. So I want to encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity. But here's where we're at now. What does this love look like inside of us? Have we put on patient love? Have we put on kind love? That's what God is calling us to. You guys bow your heads as we close in prayer today. Father, we thank you for um, your agape love for us, your unconditional love for us, because God, without it, we, we'd be toast. We would be in so much trouble. Your scripture, your word says that we, we were stuck in our trespasses and in our sin, but because of your unconditional love for us, you set us free from that. And so God, we say thank you for that. We thank you that you've been patient with us. Every one of us in this room, Lord, has, has needed your patience as you've, you've worked things out in our lives, as we've struggled and we've wrestled and we've given things to you. God, you've, you have shown us patience. We thank you for that. And God, your word says that it's your kind love that is what leads us to repentance. And we're so grateful for the kindness that you've shown us that you, again, you, you went way beyond fair. And you met us at the point of our need, right where we were. God, we thank you for that. And God, our, our heart's prayer today now is that we would begin to live that same kind of a love. God, we need your help with that. We need your help with that. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you give us the power to be able to live patient love out, to be able to wear kind love into the world that we live now. We thank you for that, Lord, and thank you for our time together today. Thank you for your word that is beautiful, and, and yet it also uh, it directs us. It's so powerful. It's filled with life. We thank you that it shapes us, that it transforms us. We thank you for that gift, Lord. And it's in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I'm going to close with this benediction, this blessing that's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, now may the Lord make you increase and abound in his love to one another and to all so that he may establish your hearts without blame before our God and Father. All God's people said, 